Let's see what the stew has in store for us today. Welcome to the Gnomecast, Gnome Stew's tabletop gaming advice podcast. Here we talk with the other gnomes about gaming things to avoid becoming part of the stew, so I guess we'd better be good. This episode is brought to you by our awesome Patreon backers like the cunning Carla Everson, the charming Chuck, and the astounding Amado Rasa. I think I said that right. Today we have myself, Ange, along with Chris and Jared, and we're going to talk about canon characters in games. Before we dive into that main topic, though, we're going to ask our Get to Know a Gnome question, which today is, what's an existing IP that you wish had an official RPG, but doesn't yet? Jared, I'm going to start with you. That's good, because I know exactly what I'm going to say. (laughs) And I've said this many times. I want a Resident Evil RPG. I don't like just straight zombie settings, but I like the the weird mutation and science fiction stuff thrown into that. And I think that would make a better overall campaign for RPGs. Huh. Yeah. I'm surprised that one doesn't have an official one yet. Me too, a little bit. I can't believe it. When you said it, I was like, really? There's not one? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, if anybody would know, it's Jared, right? Like, I've been keeping my eye out in case one of them pops up. <laughs> You said it, and I'm like, that can't be true. I was so shocked. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Ange? I honestly don't know, because I have so many friends who will basically run a game in an existing IP, even if that IP doesn't have a game, you know, that I sometimes, you know, lose track of which ones actually have games and which ones don't. I think Penny Dreadful uh starred ava green and a lot of other folks it's, it's basically monster hunting with monster romance and other <laughs> creepy things set in the 1800s do you want that as an actual like game that's called penny dreadful or do you just want that game like setting and play because i got that game for you it's called the between oh i mean that I can do that game in any number of things. No, I'm I'm just saying like somebody actually wrote a bunch of mechanics and, and playbooks and things like that that actually fit exactly Penny Dreadful. <laughs> like you could just go play Penny Dreadful with it. Yeah, I was actually thinking of that when she was talking about it. You know, and that's the thing too is there's a lot of games out there that are they're, they're basically IPs with the serial numbers filed off of them. Mhm. You know, like like I'm looking at my shelf right now and I'm looking at you, Orbital Blues, which is Cowboy Bebop with the serial numbers <laughs> filed off of it. Yuppers. You know, there's so many up there. What what about you, Chris? Is there one that you would love to see? I'm waiting for the Cinder Spires to get its own role playing game at some point in time. That is Jim Butcher's one of his other novel series and its second book is coming out like it'll probably be out when people hear this, but it's coming out like post haste. It's got a, a first novel and a and a novella right now. And once the novella came out and I listened, listened to that, I'm like, oh, look, this world's like much broader and you can actually tell a bunch of stories. But it's, it's like magic steampunk aesthetic is exactly what I want. It's people in these spires and they can't go down to the ground because it's dangerous down there. But people do to get resources and they have like airships and they use etheric crystals to fly around and there's like magic. And, and it's like a, it's a little it's got like Regency politics to go along with it, too. So like nobles and noble houses and whatnot vying for power like in in England, and I want that to be a role-playing game with actual mechanics surrounding that stuff. They also have talking cats. They also have a, a talking cats that have like their own <laughs> society also, so you could play a cat. Why is this the first time I'm hearing about a book with talking cats in it? <laughs> and, they're, and they're just as cat as you think they are, too. Rowl is mm-hmm. such a jerk. I love him. <laughs> so good. 
Moving on to our main topic, uh, let's first touch on what we mean by canon characters. These are characters from existing properties that are already established with their place in those settings and relationships with other characters in whatever story that is. We're talking Luke Skywalker, Wonder Woman, Doctor Who, so on and so forth. We often play in these well-known settings in our RPGs, but sometimes we also want to play or run the characters we all know and love from these settings. Since these games can be awesome but have some hurdles, we thought it would be fun to bring up this topic and discuss it among some gnomes. So <laughs> I've gathered some gnomes who have a variety of experience with either playing or running settings with the known characters from those settings. First, let's talk about the well-known characters you've played. What is your experience with this, and do you have a favorite? Jared, I'm actually going to start with you. I know that there are things that I am forgetting because I am old and I have played many, many RPGs over the years. But the most that I can remember are ones that I have played either in uh, Marvel Superheroes or Marvel Heroic. So I'm just going to be naming off superheroes. <laughs> so I've played Captain America, Groot, Beast, Monica Rambo. Beast and Monica Rambo are like my favorites, so I dearly love getting a chance to play those characters. And like for Monica, I've even like written custom milestones for her and all this stuff like that because I just love that character so much. I'm I'm very glad Monica is getting some time on the the big screen mm -hmm. since she's been introduced into the MCU because she. Well, I wasn't as huge a fan of hers. I was a fan of hers back in the '80s when I was reading comics. What about you, Chris? As a player, it's Iron Man. That's it. <laughs> I think I've played one canon character in a game in my entire life. And that's a lot of gaming. Like, I've been doing this thing since I was like 10. So that's like 20, 32 years. Uh, I mean, I've, I've run games and IPs where I have to play canon characters. Like, I like being Jabba. That's fun. In Star Wars, like, that's always a hoot. A hoot nanny when Chewbacca shows up or R2-D2 or C-3PO. I like playing those characters. That's always, I, I enjoy that quite a bit. But as far as being a player, uh, it's just Iron Man. Okay, and put us to shame now. What about you? <laughs> oh, so many, so many. Uh, Wonder Woman, Scarlet Witch, Magic, uh, slash Ileana, Zoe and River from Firefly, uh, Donna Noble from Doctor Who. I want to say I also got to play some other companions. I think I played Sarah Jane once. I think I also played Martha Jones. I've also played Martha you, you Jones. You mean the best companion? <laughs> yes, that's why I was feeling very bad that her name just totally escaped me i mean i will admit donna donna's is pretty good my favorite <laughs> companion of all time because i could imagine myself being donna noble donna's the best companion i'll die on that hill it's fine <laughs> <laughs> um also i got to play well before the avatar game came out i had a friend running avatar setting games using cortex plus uh and i got to play lin bay fong from uh Cora, that was just magical. That was a fantastic time. <laughs> I will say probably my favorite of all time though was getting to play Chiana from Farscape. I had a a recurring campaign sort of we got to play once a year at Origins for several years running and it, it formed some lifelong friendships there, but I got to play Chiana, which was absolutely delightful. <laughs> I feel ripped off. I've only ever gotten to play like one canon character in a role-playing <laughs> game in my entire life. Because I am doing a lot of conventions 
I think playing the canon characters tends to work a little better in convention one-shot play than it does for long-term campaign play. And I have a collection of friends who enjoy digging down into these settings and stories and pulling these characters to the table. And also, I wanted to point out Jared's experiences were superheroes. Chris's experience was singular superhero. (laughs) I think this is much more common with our comic book heroes that we all know and love, both from the Marvel side of things and from the DC side of things. So I think that's where you'll see this a lot more often than in other uh, properties. It's because we all understand that different writers write these characters anyway. So it's not as big of a leap for us to play them for a game and be like, "Eh, if we get it wrong, there's like 12 different versions of it. Who cares? Just say it's Earth 1620 or something and then... Correct. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk about running games with known canon characters. Uh, Do you have a favorite IP that you like to run characters in? So Marvel's my favorite place to run canon characters in. As far as like if I get the game master, because I don't have a lot of experience playing them, right? Although if I had a, a close second to Star Wars, mm-hmm. those are the only ones that I really like like playing. Although I play a lot of Dresden. Mm-hmm. And sometimes every once in a while, I will have somebody show up. Like I'll have a, like, I like when Denarians show up. That's fun. I like playing the Denarians. Oh, they're bad. <laughs> they're scary. They're scary and they're fun because they're creepy and they're old and they don't. They're, they never walk in straight lines for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I did play in a, in, a, in a Dresden game once at a con, but I was at the uh, the bad guy table. So all of our characters were kind of made up <laughs> for the, the that game, while all the characters at the good guy table were all canon characters from the stories. I feel kind of bad for you. Like, there's so many good villainous characters that exist in that setting that that come up all the time i think the issue was power level sure uh and (laughs) you know trying to find ones that hadn't been killed already (laughs) that was probably the reason why most of the bad guys were uh you know and i say bad guys they referred to them the black hats table and the white hats table yeah that makes sense the black hats were all like they kind of made most of them up although they were based on existing alliances, coalitions, you know, groups in the setting. Oh man, I just thought of a good game to, to run as a as a black hat table. You just you put together a table with Johnny Marcone and his crew of people. <laughs> so it's Marcone and oh man, the Valkyrie whose name Guard. And you'd have to do it before before the last few books, uh the uh uh Hendrix. That'd be a good that'd be a fun mm-hmm. yeah. that'd be a fun con game to play those. Because there's mm-hmm. there's a couple of short stories where they get to like be the central characters. So you know. <laughs> you know, it wasn't until the RPG that I realized that Kincaid's first name was Jared. <laughs> <laughs> well I don't think it gets used that I may have got yeah. used once. It's not until um uh murphy says his name at mm-hmm. some point and, yeah. and and harry's like his first name's jared like I, I remember that it was hilarious i'm a big dresden files fan for those who don't know <laughs> uh what about you jared what what ip do you like running marvel and dc both i love both of them dc is a little weird because i do like running mutants and masterminds and the last version of it was third edition but i also tend to gravitate towards stuff that is currently out and circulating so Mm -hmm. i probably gravitate a little bit more towards marvel for that but i love both of those settings i mean i've been reading comic books since i was able to read and (laughs) i love getting to drop in people from like i had a player 
that was playing a necromancer and he was playing an original character, but I had him meet death from the endless. And he was just like head over heels after that. I mean, it's, it's, it's death from the endless. I mean, <laughs> be over head over heels for her. Death is lovely in, in that set. The thing that I really like about those settings too, is because they're superheroes, you don't need to worry quite as much as you do with some Canon settings where it's like, this is the villain. We're going to off them. Because a lot of heroes don't just off their villains. Therefore, you haven't changed a thing if you have people, you know, show up and beat up Stiltman. <laughs> um, I think I've played more than I've run. I think the notable ones that I have run with canon characters is I did actually bring a Warehouse 13 game to the table once where I sat down and created the characters from the show. Uh, but my favorite is probably Firefly. I have a great deal of fun coming up with interesting scenarios that are they're, they're loose. They are like the loosest of outlines. <laughs> and then I just give the players the characters from the show and watch them go. Because if you get if you get the right table, it's it's a second season episode that never happened. <laughs> We got a job. And then from there, it does whatever it's going to do from the interactions. I did have one where I did a little bit of extra prep work ahead of time where it was old friends, old debts. And basically, they start having all these people from their past show up. And I basically read through everyone's background and kind of pulled some ideas. And the <laughs> best one was that uh, Zoe, before she joined up with Mail on the Serenity, was basically part of a terrorist organization uh you know some freedom fighters still working against the alliance mm -hmm. i decided she'd she'd had a romance before she left and joined up with mail and then met wash and history was made and i decided that her romantic portrait of her character or romance from her past was Idris Elba <laughs> and the player who I, I had playing Zoe just about died when she saw this because she's like, <laughs> and you know my weaknesses. <laughs> and it was just hilarious watching her try and like keep it together and Wash's player start sitting up straighter and straighter <laughs> and try and be as tall as it was just brilliant. It's so much fun when that type of thing happens. To be fair, I think Idris Elba is a lot of people's weakness. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Idris Elba, I forgot to mention Star Trek when I was uh, talking about settings that I like to use as well. Now, the, thing with, the thing with Star Trek and Star Wars is that I find that a lot of people like playing in those settings, but I very rarely see the canon characters put out as the choice to play. I agree, but I think in the Modifius uh, Star Trek, it's it would be fairly easy to have people play the uh, characters, though. It'd be really easy to run a, a one shot of Strange New Worlds with the Modifius Star Trek game. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I don't know which character I'd want to play more. <laughs> like, there's so many good ones there. Oh, yeah. I don't know, play Papa Pike. <laughs> sit, in the, sit in his room and cook for everybody. Just <laughs> give out wisdom. <laughs> So uh, what do you do when you have to accommodate a player who doesn't know the character or the source material very well? Because like I said, a lot of these happen at conventions and sometimes you end up with a player 
who signed up for the game because it was open and it didn't sound that awful, but they don't really know the franchise or the character. What have you done to try and help with that? Like this happens to me all the time, especially when I'm running Dresden Files. I almost always have to accommodate at least somebody at the table. So the I always try to explain the lowest common denominators of the setting to the folks. And I never try to go over more than three points because if you do that, they'll tune out, which is terrible. And you don't want that. So for instance, if I'm doing Dresden, it's it's a modern fantasy kitchen sink game. The magic exists exists in a hidden world where people are more willing to reason away what they've seen than try to expose it. And those that expose it are maligned by society. And it's pulpy, two-fisted detective noir stuff. After that, we just play the game because that's pretty much what the Dresden Files is. And then as we're playing, if they have questions or if something comes up, I will stop and give a, like a quick aside for what it means. Mm-hmm. Just answer questions and explain things as I go as we're playing. Because then we don't have to wait around and I don't need 45 <laughs> minutes of your, your setting. Okay, don't give 45 minutes of your setting. Nobody cares. Yeah, nobody cares. Just just let's get rolling with the game. Give me the bullet points. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody cares about 15 minutes of your setting. <laughs> but Chris, what happens if they ask what a Jade Court vampire is like? I'd be like, it's not part of the game. If it was relevant, I would tell you. <laughs> that's that's actually what I, I would. I think somebody actually asked me that one time as a joke. I'm like, it's not relevant. It doesn't matter. We're moving on. <laughs> if you want me to give you a J-Court vampire, I'll give you a J-Court vampire. You won't like it. <laughs> what about you, Jared? Um, I think one of the things, and you, you mentioned um, conventions, and that is, that's a common thing. I. The funny thing is when I was running Marvel Heroic a lot at conventions, I would get mostly people that knew like the Avengers or the X-Men. But if I was running something like Young Avengers or even New Mutants, people were a lot less likely to know some of those characters. Right. Um, so sometimes it's a matter of kind of defining them by the characters that they know. But I do think mechanically, one of the things I really liked about Marvel Heroic is that between the distinctions and the XP triggers, that's a good guide to tell somebody that's how this character works. That's who this character is. These things are kind of important. It's, it's the same thing that I like about uh, Star Trek Adventures, because if you were to run a scenario with some of the pre-generated characters, they have the values on the sheet. And that kind of helps you think about what how this person prioritizes what they do. I think I always try and make sure, especially, you know, if I've prepared the characters ahead of time, I make sure that there is at least a, you know, a short paragraph explaining who that character is. Um, And if they have relationships with other characters, I make sure that that is noted on the character sheet because it can be really frustrating for everyone at the table. If you get a player who doesn't know the setting, isn't told who that character is or given bad information about who that character is. <laughs> and then everyone at the table gets frustrated. As an example, a friend of mine ended up in a Firefly game without any idea of what Firefly was or who these characters were, other than it was kind of dirty science fiction. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up with Wash without knowing anything about that character, with nothing on the character sheet to tell him who that character was. And what he was told is, he's a pilot. Like Han Solo. (laughs) So he played him like Han Solo and annoyed the entire table because that's not Wash. You know, you have to be able to give the players enough that they can at least be in the ballpark of who the character is. I've never been at a table where I've gotten somebody who's like, 
totally a jerk about people not being correct about who the character is and the way they're playing them. But you still want to have that character at least be somewhere in the ballpark of who the character is. I also think you run the risk of, you know, anytime you have a table at a convention, you run the risk of having that person that tries to tell somebody that is less sure how to run their character. Mm -hmm. And I do think that when you're using existing characters, that skyrockets in possibility. (laughs) It can. I've only really seen that once, I want to say. And honestly, it was just a thing that this player does. If she feels like she's better than another player or more experienced than another player, she will tell them how to play their character. But she won't do it with everyone at the table because there's other people that intimidate her. <laughs> but it's a problem with this player. But I've seen her do it in, in canon games where she's telling other people how to play their characters. But I think she would do that in a game without canon characters. Mm-hmm. That wash thing. It's not even hard. He's like the easier character. One of the easiest characters describing that. <laughs> he show. really is. Nerd, loyal, great pilot, loves his wife. Yeah. And like the player who played him would have been fantastic doing that. He just, he was told he's a pilot like Han Solo. <laughs> no, that's not, that's not even close to wash. I feel like even if you just give him a picture of wash with the mustache and say he shaved this off, that tells you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, uh, you know, like I always try and include uh, a visual reference for the character on my Firefly character sheets. Wa- it's Wash with the Hawaiian shirt over his coveralls <laughs> with his little dinosaurs in his mm-hmm. hands. You know, like, like right there, the picture tells you something about who this character is. Nerd. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Which is fine. Like, I, I, I love Wash. Yeah, Wash is fantastic. It's also my favorite, favorite way to get my spear clean. Oh. Uh. Too soon. Too soon, Chris. It's been like 25 years. It has not, but too, it's still too soon, even if it had. <laughs> so, uh, Ange, what are some tips and tricks that, that you have for your players for, for playing these characters? You know, try, like, if you know who the character is, try and lean into... A few of the, the the aspects of that character, but at the same time, try and play it, you know, like don't get uptight if everyone isn't completely on board with everything exactly as you believe it should be. You know, you want you want to be able to lean into the connections your character has with the other characters at the table. But if you're like it, you're not gelling with another player at the table who is playing a character that is important to yours, let it go. Just play with the rest of the table and get your fun as you can. And don't be, as we said before, don't be a jerk to the players who are not quite in the right ballpark. I agree. What about you, Jared? So I've had players say things like, you know, I, I love X, but I haven't kept up with them, so I don't know how to play them right. And... Unless a character has changed radically over time, you're not going to play them wrong, even if you don't know a few of the details that have happened mm-hmm. to that character, if they have an ongoing media going on about them. And even at that, I will tell you right now, if somebody had me play Beast, I would not play Beast the way Beast is being portrayed in Marvel right now. That's just a little pet peeve. Beast isn't a villain. Except he is right now. <sighs> yeah, we're just going to ignore that in our games. <laughs> I think even using the media as an example, you can point out something like, 
into the Spider-Verse, you can see different versions of Pete that are all still pretty much Pete. You know, you're going to have some people that are used to seeing teenage, you know, Peter Parker from the current Marvel movies. But the Pete that I most associate with is older Pete that is a complete wreck when he's, you know, going into his 30s because that's where he was when I started reading comics. Part of the inspiration for this topic was the fact that I just played a Marvel game with Chris at uh, Gamehole Con and Jerry was playing Spider-Man and we had a conversation about which Spider-Man this was. And we very much Mm -hmm. decided that it was in his 30s, married to Mary Jane, complete total wreck, Peter Parker. But there's still going to be some common elements to that. I mean, you know, Peter still grew up through those teenage years that teenage Spider-Man goes through. So I think it's just kind of assuaging someone's fears that they're going to do something wrong and then everyone's going to point and laugh. Almost like three Spider-Men standing in a circle pointing at each other. <laughs> I actually had to dictate that because of the game. It, it was weird because uh, in the Marvel Heroic Ro- the Marvel Multiverse role-playing game, uh, the Peter Parker in the book is a rank four and Miles Morales is in there too and he's rank three. And I'm like, oh, it's got to be because it's older Peter Parker. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That was my thought anyway. Yeah, and I think I think if you're going to have, like, this is probably going a little too far into the superhero weeds. I think if you're going to have Miles Morales <laughs> as an option to play, you want a slightly older Peter that can serve as a mentor, you know, because that's generally the dy- the better dynamic between those two characters, you know, rather than their high school buddies or something like that. That just doesn't work. Well, it's definitely the the paradigm that people are used to now in the last decade, as opposed to like when... They were both ultimate Marvel things and Pete was only a little bit older than Miles, but that Pete died and long story. Yeah, long story. (laughs) One of the greatest comic book stories ever told is Ultimate Spider-Man. You should go read it. It's also (laughs) the best line in the Ultimate ones because there are definitely Ultimate comics you should stay away from very, very far. I'm disturbed by Wanda and Pietro in the Ultimate (sighs) series. We didn't we didn't need to go that far with them. That's why I said Ultimate Spider-Man is one of the greatest comic book stories ever told. Just just that one. The Ultimate yeah. Avengers is weird, but your MCU is based off of it. So get you know, I mean, we'll give it some credit. <laughs> I, I yeah. got some tips and tricks. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear them, Chris. Cool. So like if you know if you know the character, play the version that you enjoy, assuming it fits into the game that you're playing. For instance, there are multiple versions of Luke Skywalker in the world now, right? Like if you want to play the one that you've seen on screen, you can play that one. If you want to play the Legends version, you can play that one. I think that the uh, the Iron Man conundrum is way more interesting because it's like, do you want to play Demon in a Bottle Iron Man? Do you want to play MCU Iron Man? Do you want to play uh, Superior Iron Man? Like, don't play Superior Iron Man. I mean, you could, but man, what a jerk. <laughs> you should interact with the other characters as the character would interact if you can. But there are some caveats to this. Like, if you're playing with strangers at con or one shot, try to find the most team building and positive reinforcement ways to interact. Do not be a jerk. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in a group with friends or people you know, try to get some buy-in from those players if you want to play that character a little bit more disruptive. You know, if that's part of their shtick. For instance, see Superior Iron Man, or you know, see Wolverine. Sometimes he's a murderous beast, and sometimes he's a solid team player. It depends on who's writing him. <laughs> so write accordingly. There you go. That's how I feel. Yeah, be be the writer who made the character work in the group setting. This is not Wolverine Ronin. You were not by yourself with <laughs> bone claws fighting cyber on train tracks getting your bone claws smashed. That's right. Yeah. I can drop comic book references too. 
<laughs> so what about tips for GMs who want to run games with these canon characters as the characters at the table? Uh, I think it's very important to be clear about what this particular game is about, be it a one shot or a campaign of short or long length. You know, get that tone across to the players so they can embody a version of the character that fits into the game. Check out the Cats concept to help get that across if you don't know what Cats is. Concept, aim, tone, subject matter. I think that follows with what you were saying about play the version of the character you enjoy that fits with the game the GM is trying to bring to the table. If the GM is trying to do a New Hope era Star Wars game, uh, I almost said Star Trek and <laughs> lost all of my nerd cred, uh, but Star Wars game, then you probably want to play the young, idealistic, hotshot pilot that is young Luke, uh, who's just figuring things out. You know, but if it's a little more open ended, then talk with the GM and figure out which which version of the character to play. But you want to make sure you fit what the GM is bringing to the table. And if a GM is doing it right, they make sure that you know which version of the character they're expecting kind of to see at the table. I mean, the dead, the dead giveaway is that Luke doesn't have any real force powers. <laughs> I think then provide the characters that fit into what's happening like andrew just said right like give them a character that makes sense inside of this like if uh, i i went with the star wars rebels crew i mean you just did a good job with the luke thing but if you got ezra and his crew maybe don't drop ahsoka into the game because while it's she's in rebels she doesn't like show up as a character that exists as a uh is what i would consider part of the actual crew she's there to help often yeah there's like a couple of episodes, which are some of the best episodes of Rebels, where she's actually part of the crew. But that's that's her and Ezra and Jay, uh, Janus, uh, Jason, and they're, you know, three Jedi rolling around. So if you're going to run that game, that's fine then to have Ahsoka in there because they're all Jedi with lightsabers and whatnot. And then you can maybe throw Sabine in there, too, because she has some amount of force capability, as we've discovered. <laughs> but there you go. That's that's how I feel about that. Make sure the characters that you give fit into what's going on if you're going to give characters. Yeah, I I'd like to follow that up with. You know, don't just include characters because they're part of that setting. Include characters that will have something to do in the game you're going to run. I have seen too many GMs make mistakes where they have characters available because those are characters that are well known in that setting. But the game doesn't have anything to do with anything that character is really involved in. Falling back on Firefly, one of my games I've run fairly often, there's a lot of times where Inara is left with not much to do. You want to make sure if you if you if you have her available on the table that there's going to be stuff for Inara to do. I will fully admit I very often leave her out of the group because she's easy to say she's off doing something else. That's because while I love Inara, she's an NPC. <laughs> like that's that's her role in the game. She's on the ship, like renting a room. I like I like the Inara episodes that pop up, but they're not nearly as 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 often as the non-Anara episodes. It's a good example, Angie, because it's like, understand who these characters are that you're going to include. Like it's fine to include Jane and Wash and Zoe and and everybody and, and Mal and all of them folks but uh you know when, when you start getting some of the in river but uh even even the doctor can be tricky sometimes because at least you could heal people but like that game doesn't exactly have like magic healing i would say that river is actually one of the characters i'm more careful with because river is the type of character in the hands of the wrong kind of player <laughs> yeah in the hands of the wrong kind of player she will disrupt your game I've never excluded River as a choice, but I do tend to 
pay very close attention to how the player is playing her. Oh, man. I just thought of something like, so we're having this conversation. It just made me realize the thing like you should really understand what the character's role is in the game, too. Like, especially mm-hmm. if they're canon characters. River is there often for comedic moments. Uh, she's a combat monster when she finally gets to be a mm-hmm. combat monster. And she's there as a plot device 90% of the time because everybody's after her. And she sometimes has visions because she remembers things that she shouldn't remember. because She's suffering from a lot of terrible trauma. If you understand that about the character, then you can build appropriate scenes around that character. I mean, they're all there for comedic purpose, right? Like that that's part of the shtick of Firefly is it's a, it's a com there's some amount of comedy in the game, but these are people that have very dark pasts that are suffering from something. And that is a thing to think about when you're like designing scenarios around them. Mm-hmm. And, and and you know the same thing could be said for like including a character like Wolverine. Yeah. Uh like we said a lot of people love him because he's the lone wolf. He's the best at what he does and what he does isn't very pretty. You know, it's like in the wrong hands, that player can totally jank up your game. That's why you should write at the top of his character sheet in charge of the Jean Grey Institute. <laughs> like that is a different Wolverine from murder face Wolverine. Like that is responsible yeah. Wolverine. Take that picture from uh, Avengers versus X-Men when Wolverine is wearing the shirt and tie. And- <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. You have to be a little bit more, I think, dictate uh, with if you're running a one shot in a Marvel uh, in a in a Marvel comic book type game, because there's so many versions of those mm. characters because they've been around for so long. Oh, you have to have you have to have that conversation up front, you know, about what what version of this unit is is this six one twenty <laughs> is this is six four zero what what version of the Marvel universe is this uh, and have everyone kind of on the same page? We we ran into this with the one shot you ran, Chris, where first of all we had to figure out which version of Pete we had. Mm-hmm. But then we also had the moment where Kamala was defending Captain Marvel by saying she defeated the Chitari ships during that battle, you know, after the snap. Mm-hmm. And I was just riffing off of this. And, and Chris was like, wait a second, wait a second. <laughs> we have Iron Man at the table. So. Yeah, that happened. So then we had the retcon. Since it's the 716 version of the MCU, it was Captain America that did the snap. And he's dead. <laughs> no cap in that world. Everybody was very sad about that. Yeah, but it, but it worked. You know, it gave us all where we needed to be for that game. So, Jared, do you have tips for jams trying to run games with these canon characters? So I am always a fan of immersing yourself back into the uh, property. And that goes doubly when it comes to like existing IP. And it shouldn't be hard to do this if you actually like the IP that you're running. But, you know, sit down and spend some time, like if you're going to run a DC game, watch some of the DC animated movies. If you're going to run Leverage, go, you know, watch a bunch of episodes of Leverage. That's good to do to begin with. But the other thing that if you really want to get deeper into it is start trying to identify things that are recurring elements in that media. Like what happens more than once? What happens every single time? What never happens? You know, what line do they never cross in these things? If you're having a leverage game where you're going to be assassinating someone, you're not really hitting the uh, <laughs> the tone of that. That's not leverage. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's a little less fun, but it is it's fun for people like me because I'm a big geek. But trying to pick apart the media that you're watching to see the building blocks that went into building it is going to help you take those same building blocks and build a similar but different story in your game. Yeah, I think those are all very, very good points. Uh, and even if you don't have time to dive into rewatching 
old episodes of the show, YouTube is a vast resource of clips. Just go pull up some clips of that show you want to watch or of particular characters. I mentioned that Chiano was one of my favorite characters that I've ever played. When I was going to show up to that game, I thought I was going to be playing Zahn because I thought (laughs) Chiano already had a player. So I spent the night before watching clips on YouTube of, you know, Zahn clips of her doing and saying things so I could properly channel that level of Zen water woman, (laughs) water plant woman. Uh, And then I get to the table and they're like, oh, uh, we don't we don't have a Chiana. You you play Chiana. And I'm like, "Okay, I got this because that's one of my favorite characters. So let's start wrapping up. What are some final thoughts on canon characters in games? Jared, you go. Um, Before the episode goes by, I just wanted to point out that Galvatron would technically be a canon canon character. Oh, Jared. That was so bad. Wow. It's a good pun. Uh, no, I was just going to say most most media that we consume now has some kind of alternate reality version of that media. Even like looking at the Marvel movies, you know, there's a different version of Spider-Man in different you know movies. You have three different ones to pick from at this point. So just, you know, sitting down like uh, what Chris was mentioning with the cats, just make sure everybody knows this is an Elseworlds or a what if or a Star Wars Infinities. This is one of those other universes that is alternate to the one that you see on the screen. And it's as similar as we want to make it, but we don't have to worry about, you know, the little fiddly things that might fall through the cracks. Chris, you got any last words? No, <laughs> I guess I guess I did since I said no. Oh, I'm just going to say if people are showing up to this game, it's probably because they love these characters or because they love you as a GM, or, you know, maybe this is just what fit into their time slot. So don't get too upset when things don't go exactly as you expected them to. I mean, this is a good rule of thumb for GMing anyway, but I think it's especially important to point out when you have people playing characters that you know and love, because if if you showed up to the game to play a particular character, or you're a GM, and you brought these characters to the table, you have you have thoughts and feelings about who these characters are. And this is a collaborative thing. So you have to make space to allow other people to bring their vision of things to the table. Go into it with the idea that you're going to have fun. I have last words now. <laughs> okay, have some last words. You should have the Batman versus Teenage Mutant Turtles. You should go watch it because Jared said it. And I I, re- I agree. It's it's There's no reason. It's just really fun. Like, I, I 100% agree. Go watch Batman versus Teenage Mutant Turtles. That's my last words. Yeah, I, I, w- I was going to mention that in my last words, but I'm glad Chris brought that up. <laughs> then, then, then go run a Teenage Mutant Turtles game because there's a b- billion versions of those turtle, turtle characters, too. Yes. And also, I'm very happy that Batman didn't just wipe the floor with Shredder because they made him a credible threat in that in that uh, thing, too. So, yeah, go watch it. <laughs> I have I have to add in here as a last note before we go into the outro. Sometimes you will find people doing these Elseworlds multiverse games with I've played in a game where everyone at the table was Batgirl. That's fun. <laughs> that That's a good time. Everyone was a different version of Batgirl. I've seen games where uh, my buddy Alex has run a game called Everyone is Superman. And it's not every character is Superman because like one of the options you can play is Leia. <laughs> and it's it's basically he has these characters who are the quintessential hero of whatever story they're in. Uh, you can also play, you know, 
Superman's dog. I love crypto. Crypto is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> crypto is probably the most chosen character he's had when he's run it. I mean, it's crypto. I also have a friend who has run a game where every single character available at the table was a character that Bill Paxton has played <laughs> in movie, show, TV, whatever. All the characters were Bill. That's like the Sean Bean can't die game. I've seen that <laughs> yeah. one. I think there's actually yeah. like a one page role playing game out there. Like Sean Bean <laughs> dies or something at the end. It's funny. Anyway, getting us out of here. This show is funded by the Gnomestu Patreon. You too can be a Patreon backer by following the Patreon link on the Gnomestu website to the Gnomestu Patreon. This ad is brought to you by Characteropedia. Need to get all the information about any given character from any given show or movie or comic book or whatever? We've got you covered in the Characteropedia. If you're enjoying the Gnomecast, you'll probably like many of the other Misdirected Mark shows. Here's another one to check out. Misdirected Mark plays Phil, Chris, Bob, and Jerry play and discuss a campaign they've created and are playing. Now, instead of just hearing them talk, you can actually hear what they do at the table. It's come full circle in their exploratory play series, MMP Plays. You almost had that. You almost yeah, had I, that. I know, you I missed know. it by one letter. Yeah. I was so impressed. And they just <laughs> MMP plays. <laughs> Mpa plays. Can, plays. <laughs> you can find all of us at gnomestew.com, at gnomestew on Blue Sky, and gnomestew on Facebook. Is there anything else you guys want to give a shout out to today? Um, go to my blog, whatdoiknowjr.com, where I do additional reviews and commentary on a variety of games. Um, also, if you are interested in getting uh, some of the canon crew members for the Modifia Star Trek, they actually have products for, I think at this point, just about every single show, maybe not every single season of every show. So you can go out there and find a whole bundle of player characters that you can run some one shots with some canon characters in Star Trek with. Do they have the Strange New Worlds characters? No, they have not done that yet. Uh, I know. Well, actually, they have Pike because he was in the Discovery. Uh, he was. True. Uh, Chris, do you have anything you want to give a shout out to? One, you should go read Jared's blog. What do I know? JR.com. <laughs> it's really good. The other thing is it's a YouTube video. I'm like doing the Ange thing here. You're doing me. You're stealing my <laughs> yeah, shtick. I'm stealing your shtick. So Questing Beast, also known as Ben Milton, he did an interview with Justin Alexander from the Alexandrian blog about his new book. So you want to be a game master. It's a really good interview. I listened to it the last night and I'm like, wow, this is this is really good stuff. I have I've been a reader of the Alexander for a very long time. I like that blog a lot. You should also read the Alexander. It's a great OSR blog. Uh, and you should listen to Ben Milton stuff because Questing Beast, that's Nave first and second edition. He's he's fantastic. Maze Rats, if you ever heard of that, go check it out. It's a great interview. Two two luminaries in the RPG space. The last thing I'm going to give a shout out to is uh, if you are in the southern Michigan area, the le the weekend before Thanksgiving is UConn in Ann Arbor, and it is a good con. It is worth checking out, and I'm going to be there, probably playing some games as canon characters, <laughs> even though I didn't get in the Justice League game. I'm still salty about that one. So do you think this episode is good enough to keep us out of the stew? Hold on one second. Hey, hey, Chris, Chris. Two seven four nine. That's right. You, I woke you up before. Come over here. What are we doing? <laughs> okay, he's going in the stew. Okay, bye. <laughs>